it's time for a chocolate and coffee break. So grab your cuppa and let's listen together to stories from people of all walks of life that will touch your heart and reveal that opposites are the same. I'm your host, Andrea Putting, and this is Chocolate and Coffee Breaks, where we bring people together in the spirit of love and acceptance. Welcome to Chocolate and Coffee Breaks. And today I have, I'm going live because it's Chocolate and Coffee Day, and I thought it'd be a really lovely thing to do today. So today I am speaking with Rashid Khan. And Rashid is the expert in emergency management. And he has also been nominated as the Australian Professional of the Year 2020. So I'm going to talk to Rashid today, but of course it's a chocolate and coffee break. So we have our we have our cuppers with us, your coffee, and some chocolate. You have some chocolate, Rashid. Ooh, what have you got? I got um caramel filled chocolate. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Yum. Carol's my favorite. I was given some chocolate last night from the Yarra Valley chocolatier. So I thought I would have that today. This is a white chocolate, which some people say doesn't count, but I still like it. It's chocolate. <laughs> Looking forward to diving into that very soon. So welcome, Rashid. And I'd like to start with a question from my conversation starters to get us going. What is the most interesting place you have ever visited? Um, there has been a few uh, interesting places I have visited in the past. Uh, first of all, thank you so much, Andrea, for having me on your show. Uh, it's a beautiful you know, chocolate and coffee break and breaks down um, a lot of barriers, um, I believe, in the social dynamics and the cultural dynamics and you are doing a fantastic job in that and uh, thank you for bringing me and making me a part of this uh, uh, beautiful journey thank you uh, now let's get into uh, the interesting places I have visited um, there has been few um, I will probably say something about Victoria Australia um, uh, there's a lot of interesting places within Australia and I wasn't really, um, uh, I didn't really search too much about that area before I visited. But a um, couple of years ago, I visited Beechworth. Mm. And that area had so much of history and so much of um, things around that um, particular culture in within Beechworth. And, you know, the surroundings of Beechworth are those you know, hideouts, and uh, and then from there we drove down uh, to Mount Beauty, and we traveled on a lot of places from that particular point, and that opened up um, uh, quite a bit um, of interesting things to me. It just you know that just not the history, history, but um, we spent the night out there uh, uh, in some sheds. They they call the sheds. We spend the time in the sheds, and in the nighttime, the sky looks fantastic. You can actually see the Milky Way, and you can have those conversations. I had very deep conversations with my wife at that time, and um, I think uh, that one trip 
uh, I would call it very interesting from so many perspectives because uh, during the day we were looking at history and the evening we were, you know, gazing at the stars, gazing at the Milky Way, uh, looking at life from a very different perspective. So that was quite emotional. There was a lot of intellectual discussions. There was a lot of, um, uh, you know, deep, meaningful conversations. And I think that's why I call that a very interesting trip, a very interesting place of visit. Yes, I, I love that area too. I love going up to Beechworth. It's beautiful and you just feel like you're you're just immersing yourself into something different. It's wonderful in, in autumn too because they have a lot of a lot of the trees that change colour, which isn't normal in, in Australia, but it's lovely to be there in autumn because we mm. get to see that and enjoy it. So I really wanted to share with you and find out a little bit about your experiences with with coming to Australia because we can tell from your accent that it's not an Australian accent, although you're very easy to understand, so that's great. That helps us to be able to communicate, which is wonderful. So let's share a little bit about when you come into Australia, what led you to do that? Uh, there's a lot of things about Australia which um, a lot of Pakistani people and the people from subcontinent will relate to. But Pakistanis in particular, I would say, and that is um, in 1992, when I was growing up, in 1992, Australia had, um, at that time, you know, uh, I would say, Benson and Hedges World Cup, Cricket mm-hmm. World Cup in 1992, which, which Pakistan won in Melbourne Cricket Ground. That kind of become a very beautiful memory in a lot of people's mind. Uh, I would say um, a lot of people who come to Australia would still, you know, have that memory in them uh, of winning that World Cup, you know, um, and capturing that beautiful moment. That's just one part of it. Like, you know, we are a cricket nation. So as you know, um, and Australia loves cricket. And that, I think, uh, you need to find out when you come to a country, you need to find out all those uh, beautiful mixes of what unites you, you know. Mm. And I think with the people who are coming from subcontinent and all that, uh, actually cricket unites us in so yeah. many ways. You know, it goes beyond the borders. It go, goes beyond the religions. It goes beyond um, the cultural differences and all that. And, you know, it, one thing can combine you. One thing can unite you. And that's, I think that's one of that thing is cricket. That's one part of it. The second thing is um, from 2002 onwards, I actually applied for um, Australian resident. And I got it in 2005 eventually. At that time, I had the choice to become a police officer, which was, you know, I passed public service commission in Pakistan. So I had the choice to become a police officer or I had the choice to come to Australia. And I chose Australia to be an adapted country. Um my father asked me the question, the same question as you asked me, that, you know, what brings you to Australia? And I says, uh, opportunities and freedom. I wanted to do um, something different, which, you know, may some social things will hinder me in achieving that. And uh, so I wanted to live uh, quite a free life, you know, freedom of speech, um, freedom to act, freedom to uh, live um so it's quite liberating that idea was quite liberating to me and then um i found the exact same thing when i came to australia 
being australia is my adopted country uh, i would say you know you love your adopted child more than your own child you know a lot of people will agree to that and um, i love australia to death you know it's um, uh, that's uh, the thing i found uh, very resonate resonating with me um when i came to australia in 2005 that's what bring me to australia uh, and i wanted to you know really contribute to um uh, australian society and give back of the love they have given me and uh, i think i owe a lot to australian uh, australians and australia and will i will continue to do so wonderful Yeah, it's always fascinating to know why someone's going to get up and leave their own home and go across the other side of the world or or something like that. But I guess it's not so bad these days because we can still do this face-to-face thing no matter where we are, which also does help. But what's what's your experience been coming to as as an immigrant as a from Pakistan? What has your experience been with integrating with people in australia um i think it's quite a uh, i would say it's quite a mix uh, reaction i would probably say a quite a mix reaction to that uh, there's few things which you know when i came to australia i was already 25 uh, 24 so uh, at the time it's you know you have already there's few things which are already embedded into you you know there's there's few things which are already kind of your core structure or core structure of mind or you can say or a core structure of thought so uh, it's hard to change those few things when you come to a new country even if you go to a new town you know i i go to brisbane i have to adapt to brisbane um, mm-hmm. style you know i um, i go to perth i need to adapt to the perth lifestyle or you know, the perth style of um, living so uh, coming to australia was quite a different shift for me because you know Uh, i was living in a combined family system you know i lived with my parents uh, till that time and then when coming to australia i was completely on my own on a lot of things uh, i had few friends to start with uh, which is a really really good start um, and then you know i quickly mingled up with um, a lot of australians and um, and then i had after few months i had a job and then when you have a job it gives you that work culture where you you can socialize with people around you uh, obviously you need to um, i think it's it's quite personal experiences um from a lot of people i have heard and i have seen and from my personal perspective too uh, it's how you adapt the country you know i as i said i have adapted australia so when you adapt australia you adapted with everything you know you adapted with this harsh weather and you adapted with its beautiful summer days you adapted with its uh you know um, with all the seasons with all what happens in melbourne you know um, the weather changes in 24 hours or within couple of hours you know yeah. from one extreme to the other so you need to adapt to all of that you need to be prepared um and i was quite open to uh, the idea of you know when you come to australia uh for me uh, i didn't have uh, i would say a hard journey of you know um assimilating myself into the community or assimilating myself into australian culture because i was quite open to that i adapted to become australian 
So uh, it's the it's not an option I'm taking. It's I, that's what I really want to do. So a lot of people who live in that double um, kind of mindset of whether they should or they shouldn't, whether they should impose things on themselves, or when you take that sort of approach, I think it hinders you to become what you really wanted to become, and to mingle with people, to socialize with people, and that hinders your progress i would say yeah, as a social progress because you're not really open um you're still holding a lot of things to yourself and you're not really opening up but i think communication is the is a very very important thing you need to communicate you need to tell people about yourself you need to ask people what they like you know i love cricket but i quickly jumped into you know following uh footy straight away like on the second day uh, where i uh, lived with when i lived with a friend of mine his wife she was a, a footy spora she showed me all the footy you know teams and all that she said you're living in victoria you need to adapt to this you, you, have, this. you have to have a football team if you live in victoria that's you, you need to ch- you need to choose your team <laughs> and i said okay i will choose my team and you know so she showed me a few teams and um she said that's how the footy things and you know that's how the footy the people play footy and then I, I straight away from 2000 because i came a little late after the season so in 2006 i started going to the games so you know you need to adapt to this you need to um, open up and warm up to the culture you should not enforce your existing values which okay your existing values are already there you yeah. should not enforce it to others you know you need to because we come to a country where we wanted to live uh we believe that you know there there is a they are socially um far ahead than anybody else i would say uh they are morally strong <clears throat> uh their economical policies their policy is strong so their constitution is re- working really well their legal system is strong so you need to adapt to all of that because you believe that that is strong you know that is yeah. that is the right way So once you start believing in that people will start noticing straight away and that what um I think is that point when you know it was easier for me to mingle up with everybody because I was really open to the idea of yeah. learning from everybody so you immersed yourself in the culture of of the of of Melbourne of the country yes, yes. yeah and I I guess if it I think a lot of people would want to do that but maybe for some people it's not easy for them to do that and to they need that opportunity to for someone to sit down and say hey let's have a chocolate and coffee. <laughs> maybe it's time for me to have another bite. And maybe. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so what are some I wanted to also talk a little bit about some of the things that you've done since you've been here because like you you told me that you were nominated for the Australian Professional of the Year so obviously you've doing some pretty amazing things in the field of emergency management so i'd really love to hear a little bit about that and share that with people because that is fascinating thank you andrea um so share, share where you started with emergency management your passion for that because i that's something mm. of interest uh, uh, my first interaction with emergency management you know emergency management is a domain which is uh, a lot of people believe that it's for the you know the people from the fire services 
and lot of people still believe in the world that it is more about the fire but emergency management is is a lot about the fire obviously you know fire is the most um, happening emergency in the world you know it happens uh, within 24 hours there is one big incident in the world of a fire breakout and that's a known fact and because it's in the eye of everybody you know everybody see that um happening everywhere so fire is the biggest risk in emergency and we all know that you know we we live in a country where you know the bushfires are quite common for for me personally um i think 2011 was the year when i started opening up to the emergency management side of it i became the emergency manager for national australia bank so it was more about the databases handling a lot of data of you know people doing their compliance their learnings their their trainings and their emergency man- so the buildings from you know how compliant they are and all that and that all came from the numbers game when i started digging down a little more about it i started learning a lot more about emergency management from a lot different perspective you know emergency management is just not managing fire it's managing floods it's managing you know electrical hazards um, it's managing uh, when the things break out um, the things don't work well what you need to do from the business perspective and all that so my learning started to grow in that domain and i uh, you know when you really wanted to um, learn something um uh, maybe i haven't mentioned that before but learning is my uh, uh, you okay, say top strengths <laughs> it's my top strength yeah uh, i have done that um, gallup survey and out of the gallup survey learning is my top strength and i think that kind of tells me as well you know that um, and it's quite reassuring to that why i actually jump into a lot of learnings like, you know I, i learn from books i learn from people i learn from the culture i learn from the weather and so that started giving me a lot of um, may, maybe a new domain of learning that gave me a new domain of learning which was emergency management and when i started learning more and more about it i thought that there is still few gaps which needs to be you know not just figured out but maybe highlighted and you know at an organization you have that capacity to change and i had the opportunity and the leverage been given to me to change and make those changes but then there is few changes which you cannot make which are beyond the organization level which are sitting in the industry space and i started highlighting those because being an emergency manager i was traveling all over australia you know doing all the emergency drills and looking after their emergency uh, response manuals and the procedures and making it compliant all the buildings have to be compliant all that so i was traveling around and i started finding out that there's still more gaps and every state i go to i go to queensland i found out there is different building standards there is different standards and business need to be uh, agreed upon when you are doing these building compliance and all that so i started figuring out that there is a lot of gaps and i started identifying those gaps but there's few gaps which cannot be addressed as i mentioned at an organization level they have to be addressed at the industry level or maybe at the country level australia still is in an emergency preparedness domain number 4 most prepared nation on earth you know and that's a big standard that's which means as a nation we are number 4 in the world you know yeah. in emergency preparedness which we means we have a lot of emergency something really good <laughs> but the the things i figured out at that time uh, i think if we follow those steps and follow that solution 
Australia will become number one in the world in emergency preparedness. And that's where I want Australia to see. I don't want Australia to see at a number two ladder. I want Australia to be number one in the world. That's one part. Yes. But, um, you know, when you start doing something, it's a start and stop journey. I started, you know, working on a solution on my own, you know, from idea to making it a prototype and all that. But, you know, it was a start and stop journey. In 2015, my job role um, moved from um, emergency management to police liaison officer. So I was working with the, more in the law enforcement space and working on the missing people and all that. Mm-hmm. So my focus was kind of a little tilted at that time. But there's something happened in 2017, um, which moved me completely. Um, I would say um, that redefine, you know, when you have a purpose in life and then there is God's way of showing you the, your purpose. Yes. You know, I think, and sometimes there is an incident which shows you or, you know, redirects you towards your path. I think that was that incident. That was a sad incident. That was quite tragic. And that was quite moving for a lot of people. That's why whenever I mention that, I say, you know, if people who are affected by that incident, I, you know, um, uh, I, I got my full empathy for that incident because I was, you know, yeah, quite involved in you know, rescuing people and, you know, finding out the safe places for them. So, so that, that, that experience was in Melbourne when... Uh, a man drove his car through people in Burke Street and killed them. Yes. yes. So I was right at Burke Street. I remember there was a Friday and we all went for a, uh, for a lunch, uh, you know, a, a work lunch. And we just came back. We could have been part of those, you know, people who were injured. Like it was just moments. Whenever I talk about it, you know, I get... Uh, Yes, you know, like, you know. like me when I talk about the the um, siege in, in the Sydney Lint Chocolate yeah. Cafe, That's that was my pinnacle moment that shifted me into this whole direction of chocolate and coffee breaks and social mission. And for you, that's that's your... Uh, yeah, so the Burke Street incident is that incident which moved me. You know, it killed, uh, you know. I won't. I won't say killed. I will say the people were martyred. You know. Yes. And um, the six people, and then um, there was you know, twenty-seven plus people were injured in that moment. And Melbourne has never seen that thing before. Not no. just Melbourne. You know, anybody in Australia would have would not have imagined. You know, something that happened to someone, and especially you know, we are. It's Burke Street. You know, it's iconic Burke Street. Yes. Where you know thousands and thousands of people you know are there all the time you know because of uh, uh, it's significant to you know shopping and uh, you know everybody's around that area and it was around it was around lunchtime you know the most busy area you can say the busiest time of the day so um, I was right there in that moment i was trying to save a lot of people you know uh, who were injured and who were moved and i thought to myself you know should i work on that solution which i was working on yes absolutely i should continue my journey towards that particular goal and to reach the purpose of my life which was 
saving lives you know so i believe that you know if i had that solution in place i could have potentially you know saved one or two people or maybe three people maybe 10 people or maybe people from that emotional direct emotional impact i could have saved them from there and if i could then i must that's what i believe in and i started working on that solution you know i started putting proper hours to um, my minimum viable product i started putting a lot of research into that started reading a lot of books about that about a lot of white papers i even translated a lot of uh, research papers from china because you know there's a lot of uh, growth going on in emergency management domain in china so i started you know uh, translating them into english and started reading out what they wanted to do in another 5 years time or 10 years time how artificial intelligence will impact that how internet of things will impact these emergency management domain then started reading a lot of things and then i came up with this beautiful solution um i would say it's my baby you know evacuation so i founded that uh, and i had a lot of support from a lot of really good friends and really good people you know who um uh, i would say truly believed in me and i say you know this solution will definitely change not just change it will uh i would say reinvent the way we see and you know feel about emergency management and it yeah. definitely will save a lot of lives in future and that's what i'm aiming for wonderful that's something that's so important and a little bit close to my heart as i told you that i I do volunteer with emergency ministries so I have a little bit of a backdoor opening into into what that world's like and and all the different kind of emergencies that come up are just astounding that we don't recognize as realize and so I'm really grateful that you're you're here in our country and able and you're the one working on this because I know what an impact that's making So I'm going to we're going to finish off in a minute but I'm going to ask you this question that I pulled out of my little pack of question starters. So if you could change one thing if you could do one thing to change the world what would it be? I think awareness. Mhm. That's what I really wanted to change. I really wanted to change or shift people's mind of understanding the danger you know the things are happening the things will continue to happen the you know no one expected you know we could have this chocolate and coffee break somewhere you know with melbourne cbd sitting down there easily and having coffee and maybe making a recording but now we are you know in that um, uh virtual conversation Uh, which is happening on our, on our, on this wonderful day you know chocolate chocolate day um all of that we did not expected that or we did not foresee that maybe a year ago you know this is december last december we did not expect that thing to happen to us no so things can happen people need to be aware of thing can happen and what they can do about it you know the most dangerous thing in the world is the, the those unknown dangers which you don't know you don't expect that thing to happen 
that would differentiates i think uh great nations from you know um and that separates from you know very great nations from great nations to very great nations that is the difference to understand and percept that danger in the world you know or the danger which can happen and people needs to take action about it and they need to be prepared for the reactions of that too you know no matter what you do no matter how many actions you take of uh, uh from climate change perspective i would say the climate change will occur you know that has been do, uh, happening for you know thousands and thousands of years and that will yeah. that will still occur you know how prepared you are to handle that that's one part a lot of people you know um, i'm not going to go into the politics of that but it's a lot of people are too much focused on you know stop it stop it from being happening there's few thing which you cannot stop you know the sun will always rise no matter how much you try sun for the for sun not to rise it will still rise right what you can do about it on a 4 44 degree day is your choice so people need to be aware what they need to do do need to stay indoors do they need to put the sunblock on if they go outside do they need to cover themselves this is all i'm saying this is pre um, preparedness right so you you prepare yourself to do what you need to do and being aware of that danger too you know the 44 degree will happen a 50 degree day will happen eventually it will happen how prepared you are for that day that's one thing so awareness is a very very important a lot of people are just oblivious of that fact even if they are the climate change um uh i would say enthusiast or they are you know a lot of people say you know the climate change won't happen if it happens or not happening that's another part you know you can't stop it from happening it will eventually happen maybe it happens in a slow pace or maybe it happens in a rapid pace that's another question but how prepared you are to tackle that day then it it will eventually happen that is what we can do as a as a person as a world we need to be aware of all these um so a fire can break out you know uh, we live in a country where you know we see bushfires every year yeah and they will they will happen no matter what you do they will eventually happen every year how prepared we are to deal with these bushfires that mm-hmm. is up to us and that is awareness that's the real awareness which brings a lot of value so i want you to make people aware of all the dangers of the fire dangers a fire can happen an earthquake can happen in the christchurch no one believed that the you know the earthquake will happen oh it will be that bad yes exactly you don't so even if it happens even if you can predict that it will happen you don't know the severity of that you know you don't expect the severity but are you prepared for that severity are you prepared for the severe things which can happen and then how prepared you are for that post emergency things are you aware of those dangers you know are you aware of that you know there won't be any more food because the food will all will all be destroyed you know yeah it's all become part of rubble so that is what i wanted to make people aware of you know i wanted to spread that awareness all around the globe that you know an earthquake can happen uh a flood can come a fire can break out 
you know uh, a climate change uh, possible you know things can happen uh, kind of emergency can happen a pandemic can happen we just happened right yeah so i want to make people aware and be prepared for that mm. that is my mission in life and i think that will save a lot of lives and that's what we can do that's i believe that's what is in my domain and what i can deliver to the world and that's why you're now focusing your some energy into becoming a speaker and i'm sure many people are going to want to hear your message throughout the world thank you so much andrea yeah and i i know i look forward to seeing that happen too so thank you so much rajid for for sharing a chocolate and coffee break with me today i've really enjoyed speaking with you and learning more about your journey and what it is that you're doing in the world because it i think it's pretty special so thank you for for coming along today thank you so much andrea for having me on your show um i wish you all the best in you know what you're doing uh, you know breaking all the social barriers through you know these coffee coffee and chocolate breaks and you are bringing the real change and and i can already see you know that the change um it started to happen you know you, and and that coffee coffee and chocolate breaks will break a lot of those social barriers those um you know emotional barriers for people to open up become part of uh the culture become part of the society and once they become the part of that they will definitely improve um and make those uh, steps to make it uh, better for everybody around them yes and that's the real change you know that's yeah. you are that instigator of that change thank Brilliant you good job thank yeah. you to me it's important that everyone has their opportunity to contribute to make the difference that they're here to make so and it's lovely to see you doing that being a good example of that to why we why we need to encourage it so i thank you so much for being in this part of this journey with me today thank you so much em thank you and that's all i have for chocolate and coffee breaks today so i hope that you've enjoyed sharing with us on chocolate and coffee day and there'll be another series of chocolate and coffee breaks sometime next year bye thank you for joining me today on chocolate and coffee breaks to download our resource pack for your own chocolate and coffee break experiences and join our community head on over to www.chocolateandcoffeebreaks.com join us again next time as we explore more stories that will touch your heart and reveal that opposites are the same meanwhile share a chocolate have a cup of Enjoy a conversation and change the world.